0: The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Like many people during the last few years, their career path took a slight change down their original plan. Rod Hardy is today's guest and he is a rapper and also a business owner. His musical career started in just the last few years when his brother came down from COVID and was extremely sick. In fact, he even found himself in a coma for three weeks. After waking up, Rod's brother encouraged him to be more intentional about the purpose in his life So, Rod decided to follow his passion for music. Rod's original career path was in the line of business and sales. And he still is a businessman because he's not only a rapper, but he is truly growing a musical empire. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Rod Hardy. Today, I have with me Rod Hardy from Los Angeles. Rod, good morning. How are you today?
1: I am well and yourself
0: doing good, doing good. Excited to dive into your story. Rod, you are a, a rapper, um, today. That's what you do. You've been doing that just a couple of years and you've got a fascinating journey to how you've gotten there. Can you share a little bit about your early upbringing in Indiana and, and how you got to where you are today in the career that you're in?
1: Yeah. So, um, growing up in Indianapolis, um, Uh, we were big, always big in music and sports and being outside and different things like that. And, uh, you know, coming from an inner city background, you know, music was everything for us. It kept us going. There was always music, you know, blasting outside and different things like that. So that, that, you know, captured me even as a kid, the music aspect of it, but the business aspect and and working and, and grinding and finding my way out of that environment was always big to me too. So, You know, growing up for me was always thinking 10 steps ahead, trying to be ahead of the curve of everybody that was around and things like that.
0: So in your after uh, growing up in Indiana, what was your next move? You went to college. Was that in Indiana?
1: Yep. I went to Indiana State um, about an hour away from home. I I was a college football player there. I wanted to be close to home so that my family um, could see me play and then so after um finished playing uh, my four years there then it was time for me to go and i ended up coaching and leaving off to orlando um and a few other states i've lived in what six states seven eight cities so it's been a journey
0: yeah, but i but you've kept with your passion of football and um you actually coached college football right for about 5 it. years
1: I did that was a great experience to be able to um mold young men into you know what they were gonna become and help them to think and being able to go into those high schools and and let their parents know, hey, we're gonna take him for you know four years and try to uh not only make him a great football player or a great student but really mold him into um an upstanding young man in the community so coaching is much more than just what you do on the field and it was a gratifying experience for sure,
0: so true. Uh, We we work with a woman who um, teaches coaches how to coach, actually, and her philosophy is all about like it's all within. Uh, You know, you have to coach from within yourself, uh, sports and athletics. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that takes us to about 2015, right? When you stopped coaching.
1: Yep. And, And how old were you at that point? I had uh, just turned 25. My birthday was in February. So I had just turned 25 uh, when I was in my last season of coaching. OK. Uh, and what did so you do I, was, I was one of the youngest coaches in college football when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. You were at big schools, too. Yeah. What Was so, it UCF? I was at UCF um, as a grad assistant intern. And then I went up to... Um, ohio and then i was back down at florida tech okay uh, florida tech was an awesome experience because we built a program there they didn't have a football team they asked us to start the football program and so wow. that was an experience in itself that um, you know and you can't replace something like that on a, you know, on a on a college campus how many people get to start a program you know
0: yeah that must have been an incredible experience so what did you do next after coaching
1: After coaching, I became a financial advisor. I finished up my master's degree while I was coaching, um, in finance. And, um, and I ended up meeting a lady who thought I would be really good working in the finance world and and building relationships with people and helping them grow their wealth. And then on my end, I always wanted to understand the market, understand what was going on, those different things. And so I jumped into being a financial advisor, um, uh, right after i mean very very shortly after uh, i finished coaching maybe like in the same week i had started a new career mm-hmm. you know right then um and it was a great experience
0: and how long did you do that
1: i did that for about a year so in when i when i went into when i went into the finance department um or the finance world I was in grad school with a guy that worked for a company called Intuitive Surgical. It was, um, they had a surgical robot on the market. He had been talking to me about joining the company. He had been on me about it. He had been asking me to, you know, jump on board with him and do this and do that. And um, I kind of pushed it off for about a year before I flew to Atlanta, saw the robot in action, was able to sit in on a procedure. And um, once I was able to do that, I was sold. And then so I left uh, the finance world and became a um, uh, basically kind of a trainer for surgeons learning about the robot.
0: And what part of the body did the robot work on?
1: Everything from the clavicle to the pelvis. So we were doing hernias, gallbladders, colon procedures, hysterectomies, um, uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, And the kids, in the children's pediatric world, we were doing pyloplasties and different things like that. So um, like I said, anything in the abdomen from the clavicle to the pelvis, we were doing it.
0: Huh? And did you find that work fascinating, working in the uh, OR like that and working with doctors or how did you feel I about it? I
1: enjoyed that? the relationships and working with the doctors, being able to communicate and use my words to put forth, um, you know, something with a, a surgeon who, you know, you think is, is so educated and knows so much. But, you know, being the expert on the robot, you're able to collaborate with them. And that was very uh, gratifying for me to be able to sit there and have that communication with them.
0: hmm. That must have been really fascinating. And those are very serious surgeries too. The hysterectomies are really have a massive sure. impact on a woman's life. So, for sure. Okay, so then what year is it then? About two twenty twenty. Are we at twenty twenty yet? No,
1: I was. Um, by then, I was in <clears> twenty. <throat> 20- around 2017, 2018, I started my own uh, business. I started a logistics company and I was still working in the finance world and running this business. Uh, But around 2018, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was doing well. It was, it was managing itself. And I was able to leave Intuitive in 2018. And I uh, went full time with my trucking company and I ran that trucking company for uh, the next two, three years of just building it up. In that time, I also started a Uh, clothing line, a fitness brand, you know, so I was full fledged entrepreneur at that moment where I knew I wanted to, I just knew working for somebody was never going to be my thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of had this independent mind and I knew my ideas weren't always taken into consideration the way I felt they should be.
0: Right,
1: And so being a creative is tough working under infrastructure because you have so many ideas and things. So, I was doing the full fledged entrepreneur thing. I was doing music, just, you know, just playing around Mm part-time and stuff up until 2020. And then that's when, you know, we got serious, the world changed and we got serious about the music.
0: Yeah. Well, and you had quite a inspiration behind that as well, right? How you switched to music. But, but before you share that, did you, do you still have your clothing brand and your logistics company?
1: Um, So the logistics company, I actually sold off my trucks and stuff. We kind of branched into a different part of it. So uh, if people are familiar with logistics, we got rid of the trucks and running across the country. And then we became just a dispatching and broker company where we played middleman for everybody. I thought it was more beneficial for me and what I was doing at the time. So I still have that. Some other people run it for me now. And then um, the clothing line I still have. We still push our fitness gear to cardio coach. You'll see me in the cardio coach gear pretty often. Uh, sweaters, hoodies, workout gear and stuff. I'm always in that stuff. And and that is uh, that, that brand is close to my heart because I started that cardio coach piece during the pandemic where, you know, people were sitting around the house and we were trying to encourage them. You know, all this talk about how the virus was being detrimental to our black and brown communities. I wanted to uh, motivate people to get out, exercise, get that cardio, keep your lungs pumping, keep your heart rate up and things like that. And so that's when I started that cardio coach brand. And, uh, you know, it really took off during that time.
0: Yeah, that's great. I don't think there was enough going on. in at that time period, that was really about like boosting your immunity and in various ways, right? Like whether through holistic means or just physical exercise, like, like you were promoting. So that's great that you did that. So then what, what inspired you to go into music full time?
1: Um, so the music, my brother fell into a coma, um, and you know, he was in a coma for three weeks. And so, you know, you, somebody comes home, you're super interested in how are you doing? How's your health? You know, um, um, you know, what do you remember from that time? And so when I was able to finally talk to him and I'm like, you know, what do you remember from the coma? What was going on in your head and stuff like that? And he's like, I don't remember anything from it. But what I do know is at 32 years old, I almost died. And, you know, it just put into perspective how things that you want to do that you say you want to do you need to do them today because you don't know what tomorrow brings and stuff. And so he told me that two weeks later, you know, I was, I had five singles ready to go in the studio a month or two later. uh, We released our first single and, you know, it's been nonstop ever since.
0: Oh, that's great. And your brother got sick. You were sharing earlier uh, with COVID it was early, early 2020 so just a few weeks after your brother said that to you you had the f- you five singles so this was something you were working on i mean it was like brewing for you it wasn't
1: yeah it was it was it was i think the more than anything it was i had something to say at that point So by that time, when he came and said that I reached out to some producers, I knew they started providing me beats. We booked a studio. We went in and did a couple 12 hour sessions and we came out with those songs. So it wasn't like stuff that I had sitting around. It was more just, you know, tapping into being able to talk about my experience at the time and being able to say what I wanted to say. Now, of those, only two of those singles have ever been uh, released. The other three, you know, may never come out, but it was just a starting point for us. So
0: you, so you spend some time in the studio, you make those, those five singles. And then, I mean, what, tell us the the behind the scenes of like an aspiring rapper. What did you do next? Did you put it up on Spotify? Do you have to get an agent? Like what, what were some of those early steps you took?
1: So for artists now it's really a little more streamlined. There's different services out there, discord, uh, United masters, different services where you can just take your, Music, you can provide it to them and they'll distribute it out to the DSPs for you, the Spotifys, the Apple Music, the iTunes and things like that. And so that's what I was able to do. Um, I signed up with United Masters. Um, I, I put those, uploaded those singles there. And, you know, really the thing about music is there's no blueprint. Nobody tells you, you know, step by step. So I was really green in the industry at that time. I was trying to figure it out and just doing it, you know, myself. So that was it. Just figuring it out.
0: So you released those songs and it sounds like you've had some fairly quick um, recognition in your work, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Um, When that first single came out, I would say people jumped on board so quickly. It was such a surprise to me of how much they liked that song. Number one, still to this day, number one is one of my most popular tracks. There's people who are, um, who love that song, who, call me about it, who still send me DMs about it, like, hey, I'm still playing this and stuff. So I couldn't have, I couldn't have fathomed that kind of, that kind of success in that short period of time. Like, and I, and I said, you know, my hat off to my fans, you know, for, for loving that song, but um, I, I only know what my success has been like. I can't speak on what other artists, you know, has been, but for me, I didn't expect the world to jump on board like that.
0: <laughs>
1: Rod, what was
0: I know Greatness is one of your biggest singles from from what I've been reading <clears throat> about yeah. you, but what was what was that single that really helped get attention and and bring you to uh to where you are today?
1: Um so I think I would say a combination of things. Number 1 was the single where I think people heard me for the first time, and that was big for them to hear me. It had a um, it had a, a female vocalist singing on the hook, so it, it was real smooth coming in. But then people were able to hear like you know uh, my dominance on the microphone and, and and through the speakers and stuff. But greatness still was that single that did a lot for me outside of even the music. So before I ever released greatness, people saw me in the studio working with Boosie on that track, and so now I'm working with a major artist you know, three months after I started recording music, I'm in the studio with him. And all that content and build-up was huge because people were like, okay, he's serious now. He's working with, you know, major artists and stuff. And so it wasn't until, you know, like I said, I held that track for a year before it came out. So the build-up and the anticipation of what that track did for me um, is really unmatched. So between number one and greatness, those both have... Number one, carried the weight for me over the course of that year as far as people hearing my voice and hearing my talent and my abilities. But, you know, greatness carried the weight of the anticipation, which we know is huge in music and marketing. You know, people love to sit on edge and wonder when that album's coming out or when that song's coming out and they want to hear it. And so when they came out, you know, I don't feel like we let them down with the music because, you know, people love that song. They love the verse that we got from Boosie. They love the verse that I put on it, um, the meaning behind it. You know, with with being a, a big Laker fan and being in LA and, and losing Kobe and really being able to pay tribute to him all at the same time, it touched so many fans and brought so many people together. I would say, you know, th- when that finally came out, that solidified, you know, me as as you know, he can do this. He's on a track with a major artist. He did his it. he did his thing and serious listening to me, um, and he did his thing. But. Uh, You know, like I said, the the tribute to Kobe was huge, too, because there's a lot of Kobe fans across the world.
0: Yeah. So do you think the combination of those two things, because you were just you were sharing with me pre-show that your rise in just a two year time period has been phenomenal. And that's just so rare in the music industry.
1: Uh, I think I think those singles had a huge impact, but I think the big impact was. Uh, my brand and my work, you know, and, and how we do things. You know, I didn't expect to just throw music out there and expect people to jump on board, you know, and that wasn't even my thought behind the music, you know. Uh, thousands of people making music every day, you know, but mm-hmm. are those thousand people making connections with fans? And that's what I wanted to do, and I think that's led to, you know, most of my successes. not shying away from my story, not trying to be um, something that I'm not, you know, being authentic, and uh and really just telling the fans you know my story because i know i'm not you know this um unicorn of an individual man anything i talk about in my music that i'm going through there's somebody out there that's going through it as well so when i started to make that connection with fans and saying that it's more than just the music i'm telling my story about what it's like um you know, being a first-time dad, you know, what that first year was like. You'll hear some of that in my music. You'll hear what it's like. Even in the song Greatness, you know, that last verse, that whole sec- that whole second verse by me was um a vision of what I was to co- you know, what was to come. First lines in the words is standing on stage at the awards. I got my Cuban on. That was me saying, I'm gonna get a Grammy one day. I'm gonna be standing on that stage. I obviously don't have it yet, but I'm speaking those things into existence. So You know, making that connection with fans and letting them know I'm a real person, too. You know, like, yeah, music's going, songs are going well, but there's still a a long hill to climb, you know, that we still got to get to. And I think that's what's led to the success is the branding, the connection and the honesty with the people.
0: Mm -hmm. How do your what's your writing process like? I mean, do you have. A special place you go to and sit down and write or do you feel inspired at different times and what brings that on
1: it's it's, it's it's really um it could be anything it could be the people i could be sitting there talking to you maybe something you'll say will trigger something in my head and as soon as we get off this call i'll jot that thought down and what i think behind it how i can expand that you know topic that phrase that word or anything you know um Even the song Greatness, you know, that we've talked about already. I was watching, you know, ESPN after Kobe had died and things like that. And uh, one of the commentators said, you know, his whole career was just sheer greatness. That's literally how I came up with the song. That's all he said. And I'm just like, it really was. How How do we expand that? And so I take it there. I'm usually up before the sun. I like to get up. 4.35 4 35 in the morning. I feel like those are real spiritual hours where you can be by yourself, creative time before the world wakes up. You know, me living in Los Angeles in the city, before the buses, bikes, skateboards, delivery people, before all of that gets going, it's nice and quiet and it's just me. Um, and that's where I do a lot of my uh, pre writing. I, I, I probably write a couple lines, maybe a verse. That just gets my mind going. And then when we get into the studio and, and and put it together with a beat, then I can take that one verse and make it an entire song. So it's definitely a process.
0: So when you're doing that in the studio, then is it just improv when you're Most making?
1: OK, huh. Most of it's improv. I started out, you know, and 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 this is, you know, things that people won't, you know, tell to uh, up and coming artists or things that you start. These are things you have to figure out early on. You working with producers, you know. Nowadays, you can find producers online, maybe somebody you know or whatever. They just sending you beats, and you're trying to create your craft on top of what they've already done. Well, once people start buying into the music, you know, because music's one of those things where it's like everybody thinks you crazy and you know, all whatever until it happens, and then they like. Man, he's really good. And they jump on board. And so once people started jumping on board, I got into the process where we go into the studio and my producers create beats around my words. And so the music is more cohesive and it's more of a collaboration now and stuff. So so all of that stuff is improv. We're just in there, you know, putting drums in, put this in, put that in. I'm hearing the sound in my head. And then I finally say, okay, let me step into the booth. And I may only put down four or five lines but though that's the foundation of what we do so we do it all in studio day of
0: Mm. do do you have any music training in your background or this is just all self-taught
1: this is all just self-taught creative really just believing in um believing in my own art which is very unique because um I played the saxophone in like middle school I took piano lessons in high school but never like really dug into the music, even played the guitar in grad school and stuff. But that was just, you know, more me learning the skill. When it came to me actually putting my music out there, I like you said, I didn't have a background in music, a formal background in music. So I had to trust my ear um, and trust what I felt, you know, from being a music fan. I'm a huge hip hop fan. So I know what songs make me feel this type of way or, or is it the beat, is it the words, you know, and really trust in my own um, instincts when I'm in the studio. Mm
0: -hmm. What is it you want people to feel when they're listening to your music?
1: Um, That connection, that real connection. um, You know, I think in my music, you know, at times people will feel, uh, will feel that I feel empathy for the world. You know, Uh, Lost Prayers was a huge song for me where I talked about the things that were going on in 2020 You know, the death of Kobe, the murder of Nipsey Hussle, um, the COVID being locked in, talked about my sister being scared to leave the house, talked about my dad and how he felt with me and my brother being black men, you know, leaving the house. And and at that time, it was a lot going on and people being killed by police and riots and different things like that. And so, you know, I talked about. My dad, how he felt, how he told me he felt when me and my brother leave the house, you know, it's just like we hope you make it back, you know, safely and stuff like that. And so so I think people will hear in the music that that I feel the same as you do. You know, I have the empathy for, um, you know, what you're feeling at the time or how things go Mm -hmm. in this world. I'm there with you. You know, I'm just able I'm able to be the voice for you.
0: Mm hmm. And you were sharing with me again. This was pre-interview, but your your mantra and your mission really is to inspire people to be all that they can be, right?
1: Yep, Yep. still loading. That's what we always say. So, uh, and and still loading just to me means continuously evolving, continuous evolution. Like you know, um, I always tell people, whatever you were prior to this point in your life, you don't have to be that just because that's what you've done up to this point you know, evolve, continue to grow, continue to change. Um, you know, one thing like I said say when we were talking about it, one thing I say is, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not going to live a certain way for the next 10 to 15 years of my life just because the first 20 or 30 went this way. Like, Oh, i make a change. Like still loading. You're still loading. That battery is never full. You keep charging that battery. And so, you know that's that's one of the big things I want to push to people is you can be anything you want to be you can do anything you want to be you do anything you want to do and it's never too late you know I think Colonel Sanders was what his late seventies before you know KFC even got going and, and had he said ah life's over this is it we don't have you know one of America's favorites you know Harry Ford uh, a great actor and didn't get started until his late thirties you know he was a carpenter on set. Um, so those stories like that really energize me. And I think more people need to, to tap into that. None of us really know what we want to do coming out of high school or coming out of college, you know. And maybe we think this is the profession we want to be in until we get there and we're doing it for X amount of years. And things change. You know, you get married, you have kids, and then you find out, like, maybe I want more free time. How do I create more free time? Because now that's important to me. You know, growing in a company is no longer important to me. Okay. Make the change. You know what I mean? So, so that's my, that's, that's how I, that's what I want to get across to people is continuously evolve.
0: Yeah. Who would you say the, your audience is, Rod?
1: I would say my audience is anybody, uh, anybody who feels that they're stuck, mm. feels they, you know, you, you, most of the time when you feel like you stuck, it's because you have that inkling inside of you that something I, I need to change. You know, in your head, you're saying you're stuck, but in your heart, you're saying, I need to change, you know, and, and those are my, um, that's my target audience, as well as, you know, those those college grads who grew up on hip hop. You know, hip hop is, is a newer genre of music, you know, 30 years old. So, I mean, it's still relatively new when you're speaking of a new genre of music. So, you know, people my age, you know, that 25 to 35, 25 to 40 year old range, we grew up on hip hop where people older than us may not. you know, They still go to you know, concerts of R&B, uh, rhythm and blues, or uh, country music, whatever they grew up on, they go to those concerts still we're the first generation that's still going to go to hip hop concerts well into our late years, because that's the music that we grew up on. And so, you know, that's another one of my target audiences the people who still love hip hop and feel like we need something fresh and new. We may not be as um, uh, hip to the music of this younger generation where it's all drugs, drinking and partying, because that's not our lives anymore, but we still have a story to tell. And so I want to tell that story for that, age group
0: yeah yeah the age group would you say it's more teenagers 20s or all
1: um well I mean even even from who's accepted my music I can see back in analytics and stuff I can see anything from 22 to 40 is, is my sweet spot right now you know it's, it's a wide span of people who are connected with my music but that that reassures me that what I'm saying touches a line of people who are feeling those same things at the time.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.